0: you're
1: listening to novel bound a podcast dedicated to making you laugh and keeping you company each week we're sharing all of our favorite books and the embarrassing side of life
2: welcome back to novel bound i'm anna and i'm Celine. And today we are so excited. We are interviewing the lovely Shelby Moran about her books, the writing process, everything. You want to just say hi?
1: Hi!
0: I'm very happy to be here.
1: I'm <sighs> so glad be. you're happy to be here. Um, I am pointing a gun at her right now, so she has to say <laughs> everything nice about us while we're here. Not <sighs> necessary. For those of you that haven't, okay, you all have. You, We all know Shelby. She's, she's oh, a goddess is? that Amazing. walks among men. She has the most beautiful, like... <laughs> modern victorian house like she has great hair and this is just a love letter from. i feel like this happens every time we get whenever we introduce an author i'm like i'm sexually attracted to her she's so great like (laughs) but no but for real she's written this amazing series the serpent and dove series and that was just like Mm -hmm. that was the beginning of it all she has so much amazing stuff going on here we chose to have her on for so many reasons one is because she is she's incredible at creating these beautiful worlds where there is so much just to touch to taste to feel um she has these these imperfect characters that you root for throughout the entire series that um grow so much and you grow with them and also the way that she like is so vulnerable about sharing the writing process and stuff on social media um whenever she does her craft stuff we've learned so much from her already and we are so lucky to have her on so yeah thanks for coming on with all-
0: make me cry thank you yeah first I hit on your
1: body then I hit on your brain so I know like a double double
0: whammy there but
1: um we love it do you want to just for those that don't for if you're listening to this and you don't know um if you haven't read the series so we are gonna keep it only to the first book spoilers and we'll 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 warn you ahead of time if there's like any Mm -hmm. big spoilers because we want if you haven't read her books like literally go read them right now but um do you want to summarize just a little bit of the premise of your series
0: yeah so the elevator pitch for serpent and dove um it is a YA fantasy um it's a trilogy about a witch and a witch hunter who fall in love despite an ancient war between their people
2: we love it we love to see it (laughs) you gave us all the best tropes you like I feel like you instilled the like the hungriness for like the true enemies to lovers and just I've not been able to give it up yet. No, it was my favorite. It was good. The lovers. Yeah,
1: and this was I think Adeline or Rachel one of on our last interviews. They mentioned that this was like the first you pit, brought this up with Pitch Wars, right? And that you had I like did. this was was this your first book that you ever wrote? So I I <laughs>
0: I wrote a book before I did not finish it. Um, I started it when I was like in high school, and I kind mm. of like like chipped away at it my first year of college like Mm -hmm. and then you know it was a very very slow process because I had so much other things that were more important to me at the time you know like sports boyfriends you know obviously work those things (laughs) um I I gave it up um and about halfway through I realized that I wasn't probably ever going to finish that book oh (laughs) and I started over with Serpent and Dove and in starting over, I told myself, I have to finish this book. Um, you have to finish it before you move on to something else. So it's my first finished uh manuscript. Amazing. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. When I was talking with my husband about like the me and Celine starting this process, and I was like, I want to write a book. I don't know if I have it in me to like see it all you the do. way through. And he was like, That's so crap. And he was like, Don't ever say that. And he's like, just say I'm going to write this book because I know that you can see it through. And I was like, Yeah, that just reminded me of that. I'm like, you just do it. Well, I agree with your husband. <laughs> I, I do too. He's, he's nice. He's supportive. He says the right things <laughs>
1: most of the time. We love Jalen, except when he goes off about gardening. Like, go, go away, Jalen. <laughs> Just kidding. We love you. Thank you for letting me have custody of your wife multiple times a day. Okay. How far <laughs> into your draft were you? or Did you complete your draft before you did it on Pitch Wars or like threw it in? or?
0: Yeah. So to um, enter into Pitch Wars, you have to have a completed manuscript. Mm. So yes, okay. I started Serpent and Dove. Um, back then it was called La Dame Blanche. Um, I started it, Mm -hmm. yeah, on Wattpad, actually. (laughs) You love it. We love to see it. Yeah, I wrote the whole book on Wattpad, actually. I updated a chapter, you know, per week, um, and it kept me accountable. I didn't have very many readers. I had like five readers who who, who routinely showed up to read. Um, I'm still in contact with a few of them. I love them, Um, but that, I really attribute Wattpad to the reason why I was able to finish this book, because there was an accountability there. Um, Uh. And so I started it in January of 2017. I finished it around May or June. So I really wrote it in a short amount of time for me. Um, And then around that time, (laughs) I started researching traditional publication, um, and like what that process looks like. And um, I bought this book um, about literary agents. Um, I think it comes out every year. I think that they still have that book. I can't remember what it's called. I'm sorry. I'm not prepared. Um, That's okay. But in the book, it talked about pitch contests, like pit mad, um, and then pitch wars. And I was like, okay, what's that? Um, And so that led me to researching pitch wars, which is this mentorship competition um, where um, unagented writers apply to work with someone like a mentor who is farther along in the process than they are so they're either agented writers or published authors or uh you know someone who knows the ropes who knows their way around the inside of the industry to help you revise essentially it's like a little mini publication experience um, because you you work with a mentor who is kind of like your editor who provides notes um there's a deadline for you to revise your manuscript and at the end of the deadline there is um an agent round which is where which is the actual showcase um where you everybody who participated in the competition posts their pitch posts um like the first x amount of words on this website and agents would come through and comment if they were interested in seeing the full manuscript or the first 50 pages or whatever um so that is actually how I got my agent um was through Pitch Wars. I, I was chosen to work with the wonderful Jamie Howard. She picked me um, and we revised. Back then it was a much shorter revision window. Um, it was actually really traumatic. <laughs> really? <laughs> like, yeah, that was my first, um, which is the point. It was my first really taste of what mm-hmm. revision actually is. Um, I did not know beforehand. I thought the revision was, you know, like tweaking a word here or there or like this part sounds awkward. I'm going to try to fix it. No. Um, with pitch wars, I, <laughs> I, I added Reed's entire point of view. Oh my um, gosh. Oh, wow. None of that was there in the original draft. It was also written in um, third person instead of first person. So we weren't inside of loose head. Oh. Okay. Um, and I think Throughout pitch wars, and then with my agent and my editor, all of those revisions, those eventual revisions, I think I cut like oh, I can't remember the num- exact number. It was like seven, eight, or eleven side characters. Wow, <laughs> I had so many more characters in the original draft. Yeah, so that was a long, kind of arduous process. But I
1: mean, like you and how you write your books, each of your side characters have so much like soul to them already. Well, yeah. Yeah. how because hard it was to kill your darlings.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, I mean some of them were easy um like like um Reed's best friend in the original draft was um named Henry and Jean-Luc was just kind of like the mean guy um mm-hmm. and I wasn't really doing justice to either of them and so my editor eventually you know this is after Pitch Wars and my agent and such um my editor was like what if we combine these characters um because as they are, they're not really doing anything for the story. Um, And I was like, yes. And, you know, of course I ran with that suggestion because it was like so many times um, in media, you know, you have the depiction of like the mean girl best friend Mm -hmm. or whatever. And and it's kind of a toxic relationship. And I was like, okay, well, what does that look like from two uh, cis-het men, a toxic relationship? And that is how Reed and Jean-Luc's relationship was born. I love that. Yeah. So I can't actually remember what your original question was. I feel like I went off on like a tangent there about pitch wars. <laughs> I love the wars. information.
1: I am. I'm so happy right now. I'm sitting there like, yes, <laughs> yes. Shelby. Yes. Give it, this is great.
0: Um, so that's my pitch for pitch wars. <laughs>
1: Okay, let's start really quick with this. And like I said, you ha- you can take your time with this. Like we love mm-hmm. tangent because I know that there are people listening that that know nothing about the writing world and that know nothing about traditional publishing play- or pitch wars. So if you feel like you want to go off about something, you do it, girl. You go. Okay. But anything yes. it's helping. It's helping us. It's helping the readers. And also like one of the things that I'm that the reason why we chose like you specifically is we sometimes compare the finished manuscript the thing that's on the bookshelves to mm-hmm. what we're writing right now and like all I want to say about my draft is like it's crap I'm crap everything's crap and being able to hear that like you had to eliminate characters and stuff so like we have a question later on about like your first draft versus the final thing and we'd love to- I love hearing the differences in your script so feel free to keep going I'm like go off go mm-hmm. off oh, show so yeah. many
0: differences I mean I think it's a natural response um when you're writing your first draft um, even, even as a published author, um, I, I'm also like, "This is crap. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I can't publish this. Like, I can't send. The, I can't send this to my editor. Like, they're gonna want to drop me as, a, as, like, as a client. Like, <laughs> they've made a mistake. I've tricked them. The game's gonna be up. Like, we love it.
1: We love it. Yeah.
0: So I think. I mean, I do think it's a natural response. Um, but writing is revising.
2: You know, anything can be fixed. That's true. Okay. Let's start. So you've kind of told us a little bit about your writing process, but I would love to know. um, So you have this amazing plot and these characters and they feel so original. Um, And I just want to know how you did that because sometimes it's hard to write an original story with things that have been done, like with vampires and witches and Greek mythology. Um, So I just want to know like how this idea came to you, how you wrote it out. Yeah.
0: So it's so interesting that you called it original um, because I get so many I'm a firm, this might be a hot take. I'm a firm believer that like nothing is original anymore. Um, everything has already been done. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's fine. Like, I mean, the concept of a trope is something that's done a lot. Like, you know, and there are yes. um, promises yeah. like inherent to the trope and things like that. Um, But I think that the key is to just make it yours. And I know there's a lot of weird pressure. Like, well, how do I make it mine? Like, I don't have anything to add to this. I don't have anything to say. I don't either. I don't, you know, I don't set out, (laughs) I didn't set out to write Serpent and Dove as like a feminist, you know, whatever. I just wrote it and things came out. (laughs) Like that maybe I didn't even know that like I was processing or needed to say. Um, But I I use this example all the time um, in my craft chats and in my Ask Me Anythings on social media. um, Somebody's like, I just don't feel like my story is original enough or I have this story idea but I feel like it's old, it's already been done. And I'm like, okay so let's say that someone gave me a prompt me a prompt sorry um you a prompt and stephanie meyer a prompt to write about a vampire who falls in love with a teenage girl what do those stories look like wildly different yeah wildly that's so different. true mm-hmm. um because we are each pulling from our own experiences our own preferences our own likes and dislikes um our own favorite tropes you know whatever uh so settings settings as characters there's just so many elements in a story that make up a story that are going to be so different um that it's really it's like don't worry about it I mean obviously you don't want to plagiarize like nobody wants to do that like don't set your vampire story (laughs) in Forks Washington don't have your vampire sparkle in the sun you know don't have your main character be named Bella but like other than that you can run with it
1: yeah yeah I think like that totally happened when um obviously like the highest point of my life was when Twilight and Vampire Diaries were coming out as like a 13 year old I was like this is it this is peak my life this is great mm-hmm. I still haven't come off the high it's fine but I remember when Vampire Diaries like first came out that first episode my mom's like we were like right real- I think we were like right the reading Breaking Dawn like we loved it my mom's like there's this show called Vampire Diaries like let's watch it and I remember the first episode I was like oh my gosh this is kind of like Twilight but then like it's nothing like Twilight. Exactly, its, it's own mm-hmm. beautiful, incredible, powerful story. And like, if we had just let like ourselves just if you know if the person I cannot remember, E.L. No,
2: who wrote it? Oh my gosh, something with an S. <laughs> I I'm like the cover is perfectly imaged in my head, so with, like sorry. red and like the yes. Those
1: series, but like if we let if she had let that be like oh you know can't do that. Because yeah, I can't do that. Like we yeah. would never mm-hmm. have vampire no. diaries that's
0: an, that's an excellent point because if you look at it it's like the premise is the same it's it's a a broody hot vampire falling in love with a teenage girl mm-hmm. But then it's like you zoom out a little bit and then in twilight you have the volturi you have the werewolves you have that are much different than the werewolves and the vampire diaries and in the vampire diaries you have you know doppelgangers and yeah the brother and a love triangle and it's just like they're not the same at all
1: no and i think that <sighs> like People also like look for stuff like that. Like, for example, I'm still trying to like chase the high of the underwater kissing scene by Adrian Young. So if anyone ever tells me that there's a <laughs> kissing scene, I'm like, perfect. I will buy that book right, there. Now. Like, I'm there I'm right, there right now. I'm there right now. And I think yeah, like I- we don't mind that. Like as readers, I'm like, good, perfect. It's like some of our best episodes are like, if you like this, read this, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, and that is, that is a conversation worth having is- why do we, why do publishers, you know, why do they want to have comps for books? It's, it's because people like the things in those books that they're mm-hmm. comping. Um, it's to find similar audiences. And it's like you said, you really liked that underwater kissing scene. So if any, you're looking for that again, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, it's, it could be another just straight underwater kissing scene. But if it's going to scratch that itch, you're going to read it, you know? So that's, it's like, it doesn't really, it doesn't really matter. You know, we want (laughs) what we want and we want a lot of it. We want it in every different iteration that we can have it in. Literally. Just give it to
1: us. Also first drafts, I think something that I have to continue on myself is that the first draft isn't for anyone else to see. So if I want to write a scene that is straight out of like, like, for example, um, have you seen Gilmore Girls?
0: some of it not a lot oh you're I fine started it like last year and oh,
1: fine. <laughs> <laughs> when rory's at yale there's like this small part where they're at a super study but there's lauren logan hunsberger or whatever but he like pranks they have this fun hilarious prank where like these boys like storm into a classroom and like make her feel so embarrassed but it's so perfect and i'm sitting there like so how, how do I, do I, I kept, how do I oh, capture because, like, that I need yeah that in my book you know and so I'm excited to figure out like just what it is and like it's just for me even if no one ever sees a scene it's just for me I'm writing fan mm-hmm. fiction for my own story it's fine
0: <laughs> yeah no no seriously um I get asked a lot about like well where did you get the idea for Serpent and Dove I got the idea from Serpent and Dove from Outlander I mean seriously yeah I did um season two Jamie and Claire go to France yeah. And he called her a um wash, essentially. Uh, and they don't really take that anywhere. And I was super interested in it. And I was like, what, well, what is it, first of all, and so mm-hmm. I took to the internet, and I researched it. And I, you know, read the lore about these, like, white okay. ladies. Um, And that was the original spark for Serpent End Up. So I think that there is merit to you know, finding something you love in a show or another book Mm -hmm. or even like a lyric in a song, you know, Um, story comes from story. So finding something you love like that and asking, well, what if this happened instead of this? Um, And that is how stories can be born.
2: I love that. That's so true. And it's so comforting to hear you say that because I feel like sometimes like aspiring writers or just people who want to get into this world, they get so overwhelmed and scared to step into that world because they're like well what can I contribute and so that's that's really comforting thank you yeah no there is like a weird stigma
0: like everything
2: has to be wholly original
0: everything has to be your own take everything and I mean Mm -hmm. it's true but it's also not I think also we
1: have to give ourselves credit for I always say like future me is going to handle that really well like (laughs) Teen Celine, she's going to know her character so much better. I know too. what things are. And so I'm always like, future me is going to have a great time figuring that pothole out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, here you go. Good luck. <laughs> I do. I, I do. Uh, my cookie partner is Jordan, who has um, been on this podcast. Um, I am constantly telling her, like, well, that's going to be tomorrow's problem. That's yep. not today's problem.
1: Yes. Um. Kate, and I want to kind of, I'm so sorry. Like, we can spend like, and like, please come back so we can just ask you. Like, <laughs> you're just really good at like iterating all of these things. And I think mm-hmm. because of where you are in like your writing journey and your publishing journey, I think you you are really comforting so many other people that are like so scared to try. So. And yeah, I think I that's so. one of the things that I've just loved when you talk about your writing process. So like, um, we did Adrian Young's like writing with the soul, and mm-hmm. I loved her week on her process. And like, my process is like very. <laughs> Because I'm such a visual person, I was like printing out pictures of how I visually saw the scenes and like putting them on a corkboard, like a series. Oh, that's really cool! And, like writing down Taylor Swift lyrics for like which yes. related to like different people. And so, <laughs> it is, but it is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> what was your what was your process like when you were first starting out? Like, how did you give yourself permission to create, especially as a mom too? Because you have three kids.
0: Yeah. You go, yeah. girl! So. <laughs> I, um, I think the short answer of that is that my process changes. Um, I don't have like a set ritual that I do. Um, I just do whatever I have to do to get the words on the page. Um, you know, whether that means, yeah. okay, I'm going to light a candle. Uh, and that's going to be like, signal to my brain that I'm starting, you know, and then when I like blow the candle out, I'm done. Um, I've done that. I I write at night. I write during the day. I write just really whenever. It can be hard. Yeah, it can be hard. I think that that um needs to be said as well. Um, because when it comes down to it, your process just has to be getting words on the page. Um, yeah. I think that there's a lot, a lot of times. Um, and this isn't necessarily a bad thing, but um writing is romanticized like it's always this magical journey it's always like the work of your soul um and it can be absolutely but it can also be really grueling um and really hard uh especially to like write when you don't feel like writing um which you essentially have to do if you're if you want to finish a book you Mm -hmm. have to sometimes write when you don't want to write um so I think that's an important conversation to have that you know it's not always this wonderful even happy thing sometimes it's hard and sad and it can be cathartic um when you're working through things in a
2: scene but sorry I went off on a tangent again (laughs) no we love your tangents we love your tangents
0: um my process basically is when I started out with Serpent and Dove it's much different than it is now um when I started writing Serpent and Dove I was working as a photographer I did have two kids at that time um I had just given birth to my second child he was three months old um when I started writing Serpent and Dove. Um and the reason I started writing Serpent and Dove is because I felt like I'd lost my identity to motherhood.
2: Um oh my gosh. Yeah. Which we feel I that. think that
0: yeah, it happens a lot. Um where it's like I wasn't Shelby anymore. I was Bowen James's mom. Um, you know, and I just I was, I love my children, you know, I adore them. And I think that every mother does, but mm-hmm. I was really unhappy. I was just like, uh, who am I? You know, like everything that made me who I am has, I've kind of had to sacrifice, um, which is, which is fine. You know, a lot of motherhood is sacrifice, but it was just serpent and dove was a way for me to reclaim myself.
2: Yeah. It was something
0: just for me. It wasn't for my family, it wasn't for my kids, it wasn't for my husband, it was for me. Um, And so I carved out that time at night. Um, After, you know, at that point I was a photographer but I was staying at home. Um, So, uh, you know, after I had cared for my children for the day, I'd fed them, I'd clothed them, I'd done laundry, I'd cleaned the house. I'd done all of those really grueling menial things Mm -hmm. that can feel menial in the moment. I would sit down and write and I would write from like eight to like sometimes two in the morning because I was just like so on fire for it, you know, um, because it was just for me. Um, so that has changed because now, um, (laughs) my husband and I have like gone through like a yo-yo, like a (laughs) roller coaster of like caretaker things. Um, you know, I, he, he with blood and honey, he quit his job to stay home so that I could write um and then you know a year later he was like I need I need something for myself and so he went back to the workforce and so now we have um you know our kids are old enough to go to school and preschool and all of those things so it's all worked Mm -hmm. out but um so now I can write full time um so I don't just have to write from like eight to two in the morning anymore or like during times or whatever so now I you know I try to especially on deadline, which I feel like I'm always on deadline. (laughs) Oh, I do try to, you know, wake up, take my kids to school, come back, um, and write from, I try to be in front of my computer at like 10. Um, and then depending on the day I'm done anywhere from four to six. Um, so yeah, the process does look a little different, but it still is just Getting words on the page. How yeah. can I do that?
2: No, that's awesome. We've even, me and Sane have talked about, we talked a lot about, especially previously on our podcast, about motherhood and because we both had the exact same thing happened to us where we just felt like we didn't know who we were, especially after I gave birth. And suddenly it was like people were coming over to see the baby and nobody mm-hmm. was asking how I was doing. They they all were asking how he was doing, which is what I wanted, but it's still mm-hmm. hard to accept. And so we are such big advocates for existing as a person yourself, because if you're not yeah. taking care of yourself, you can't take care of your kids.
0: Yeah. And that's I get a lot of questions um, from mothers who are like, well, how, how do you do it? How do you juggle it? Um, and it's like. Um, I think it was Nora Roberts who used the analogy of like you're juggling um, and some of your balls are rubber and some of your balls are glass. Um, mm-hmm. And it's like, you have to learn which ones are which so that you can drop the rubber balls because they'll bounce back to you. Just don't drop the glass ones because they'll shatter. Um, but, uh, I tell people I'm like, you have to, you have to make time for yourself too. Um, Mm -hmm. if you're unfulfilled and you're unhappy, um, you're not, and it. It's hard to just like say it black and white like that, but like a fulfilled parent is a better parent. Um, a happier mm-hmm. parent is a better parent. Yeah. Um, and also in in pursuing your dreams, you're also giving your children permission to pursue theirs someday. You're showing them that that's important and that's something that they can do as well. Um, so all of those, all of that's really important to me. Um, but I just tell, I have to tell parents like you're going to feel guilt. It's just part of it, but like logically just know that you have, you have to do this, you know, um, Mm -hmm. part of my process. And this is, this is what I was saying before about how it's not always magical. It's not always like this just super fun time when you're writing, like, um, sometimes getting words on the page means that my daughter, my two or three-year-old daughter, she's about to turn three, um, is outside of my door crying because she wants to come in. You know, sometimes it's trying to figure out how to write when my entire family has COVID and they're home. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, it's, it's my mother calling me and being like, when are you off of deadline? I would really like to see you because she hasn't seen me in a long time. It's missing family game nights, like with my extended family, because I have to write because I'm on deadline. So there's a lot of like not magical moments in there. Um, but at the same time, I have to do it
2: because it does yeah. fulfill me yeah that is thank you that is such a good look into what it's really like thank and we yeah. yeah I mean, it's, it's hard it's hard out there it is
1: from that perspective too how do you draw inspiration to create because like obviously like this is such a hugely vulnerable creative process in fact like um Adrian was talking last year about like cancellation culture. And I'm like, I can't imagine trying to create something in a box and then having to make sure that it doesn't offend anybody Mm -hmm. or like make anyone feel like, you know, like, does that make sense? Like anything could be taken out of context or whatever. Yeah. Um,
0: and there is, there's a lot of bad faith out there.
1: (laughs) So sorry. I like totally, I was like, didn't mean to go on thirds, but I mean, like for that, (laughs) I mean, um, it's really, I can't imagine having to be inspired and having to stay inspired when your daughter is like knocking on her. Cause I'm like, Oh honey, I, I feel that so deeply. Like when my daughter does knock on my door when I'm working and it's so hard for me to not feel guilty. So how do you stay inspired mm-hmm. in situations when you're thinking about that outside world and like protect your artistic world?
0: It's really hard. I know. I keep saying that word over and over and over no, again. No, but it's um, true, and it? because it does, mm-hmm. you have to. You you really kind of have to sink into a story, or at least I do, in order to make real strides with it. Um, and when you're constantly being pulled out of the story, it can be really hard to achieve the depth of the scene that you mm-hmm. want to achieve. You know, when your daughter is crying at the door, and you're going, "Oh my God!" Like, I just want to open the door. I just want to let her in. But if I if but if I let her in, then I'm done. You know like i'm not mm-hmm. going to get to work um so it's really <laughs> it's really important to make time for both so i tell myself like okay she can't come in right now but at five or six when i'm done i am going to go downstairs and i am going to cuddle with her and i am going to talk to her and i am going to play with her and i am going to do these things but it has to be then like it can't be all the time yeah um, so boundaries are super important which is hard She's three, you know, like you don't want to put a boundary in place. Yeah. Um, a lot of, but a lot of enforcing those boundaries, I feel like has to come, at least in my case, um, from my, um, husband from, you know, other people in my life.
2: Yeah. Just a good support system. Yeah.
0: I need a support system to allow me to be able to write and succeed. And I'm very lucky to have one. Yeah. That's also worth That's noting. Like, I'm very lucky to have people mm-hmm. around me who will help me.
2: Yeah. Oh, we love that. We love your very tall husband. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about Lou and Reed because we are obsessed with the initial premise of how these two people, who are just so polar opposites from each other, I mean, literally completely different worlds, and they have to come together. And eventually they really start fighting for each other. Um, just the natural pacing and transformation of their relationship were so believable and real. And we just want to know, how did you track that? Like, how did you make sure the art came through and really showed the development of their characters together?
0: Yeah. So um, I heard once that with Enemies to Lovers, and this has stuck with me. This was just recently too, that I heard it. So it was actually okay. before Lewin Reed, but it's applicable, I feel like. Um, the author said that with Enemies to Lovers, you really have you have to convince your readers of three things. You have to convince them initially that, your char- that the characters hate each other. It has to be understandable. It has to be believable. And then you have to convince them of that moment when they decide to make a change. Mm-hmm. Like when they start to understand each other, that has to be believable and it has to be earned. And then the third thing you have to convince them of is that they're in love afterwards. So you really have like kind of, you can break the novel into like three pieces. Like this is what I'm trying to get the, the reader to believe here this is what I'm getting the reader to believe here and this is what I'm getting the reader to believe here um okay and it has to be done slowly I mean I think I feel like um it has to be taken with care I have a tendency to sort of and I'm learning this again as I draft my, <laughs> new, my new project that I have a tendency to kind of want to rush things um so it's been like and when I say rush I mean like I want to do this here now instead of you know 10,000 words from now. Like, I want this to happen. Like, yeah. I want this forced proximity thing. I want the sexy tension. it's like, you can have some of those things early, but um it's really important not to rush it. So I'm really, really um grateful for Jordan, my tea partner, because she is always there to be like, nope, not yet, Shelby. Not yet. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, please. <laughs> I just want them to kiss. I want to smash their faces together. I can't do it yet.
1: Oh, 100%. No, I totally agree with you. I think oh, yeah. it's just so amazing to see that the way that they are, like I never felt like it was insta-love, but there never. was more, like mm-hmm. I will say like, like electric shocks of tension and chemistry and stuff like that. Did when you first wrote, because like right now I am basically rewriting my first act where I'm adding in these scenes that are kind of like making them more vulnerable with each other, where they're sharing things and showing things. Because I had like basically like a skeleton and now I'm adding... Awesome mm-hmm. uh, for me, um I like love act too because the minute that they decide they're like best friends, they're like we are, we are the best of all friends. We're having this great banter and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so for the first part of my book, I, I struggle with that because I'm like I just want them to have the banter, you know? I know, and yeah. I want them to know each other already. And so for you, <laughs> like, when you first like your first draft for comparison to like now, like what kind of things? Where were your relationships at the first time versus? Like, where did they go to in the first act? Like, how did you get them there?
0: So it's, there was a lot of revision involved, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It didn't happen the first time. Um, Like I said, my first draft was just told from Lou's point of view, and it was third person. So it was a little more distant than the first person when we're just in her head. Um, So I feel like a lot of the development came when I did add Reed's point of view, um, because it forced me to get into his head, and it forced me to think about what he was feeling in each moment of you know of their relationship um but I did have to add I had to add I added like I think that my first draft of Serpent and Dove was like 96,000 words and then with my agent it was like 103 I added some for her and then with my editor I added I think that Serpent and Dove was like a hundred and 18,000 words oh, wow. so I added quite a bit and yeah. a lot of that was I did have to develop my magic system and and things like that but a lot of that was romance um oh. I remember one of the last scenes that I added to Serpent and Dove was the scene where is braiding her hair mm-hmm. it was one of the very last scenes yeah. that I added and it's kind of in the middle of the book um because my editor was like I just feel like we need something more before we get from point a to point b
2: yeah Oh, I love that. I am struggling right now, um, with that in terms of like the magic system, because my main character has this connection and this pull to the water and I'm struggling to find places to put that into the plot, like just subtle places, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's just kind of encouraging to, it's not all going to come immediately.
0: No. Yeah. I think it's super important to take things in layers. At least it has been for me. Um, Mm -hmm. like I said I'm still struggling with this in my you know fourth book uh I'll write a scene and I'll get hyper focused or and like hyper fixated on one thing one aspect of the scene um and then I'll have to revise it and be like okay zoom out a little bit because here's this other plot thing that you didn't think about or here's this this character needs a little bit more here or you know the emotion isn't quite right so Mm -hmm. I do um I have to take things in layers um I had to do the same in Gods and Monsters, especially at the end, which I know we're not spoiling anything, but it got really complex at the end with all of the different yes, characters. Did. And yeah. you know, it culminates in this like grand final battle. And and I had to write that battle in like two days because I was on this crazy tight deadline. And um oh my gosh. So yeah, it's like there were like those five chapters at the end. I was sitting there and I was just trying to juggle all these things and I was dropping balls <laughs> um, for sure. <laughs> I remember um Jordan was at the was at the end of her rope too because we were trying to do this on such a tight deadline. Um, and That's she, uh, she literally was like, "Hey, um, where's Babette?" <laughs> <laughs> this whole character, she was like, she was here. Now she's not. Where's she at? I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't know where she is. So like. I went- I did. I had to go back and revise the, the ending of that book like five times because it oh was like, gosh. okay, where's Claude Devera? What's he doing? Okay, yeah. where's Zena? What's she doing? Okay, where's where's Babette? Where's Madame LaBelle? Bo needs a moment. Reed needs a moment. Lou it's needs a moment. Lot. Coco yeah. needs, a moment. <laughs> needs a moment. Like, needs a moment. It was hard, but it just taught me that like sometimes you just have to take it one piece at a time. Mm-hmm. Like I said, anything can be revised. Anything can be fixed. You have to
2: get the words on the page first in order to go back yeah. and make them better so true okay no, absolutely no spoilers but I just have to say the ending the very la the very ending the last thing you read in gods and monsters a gift <laughs> a gift that you gave us I'm so
0: glad you like <laughs> it I'm so glad that you liked it I I um I struggled with the epilogue yeah um I I took a long time to start it um okay. I actually didn't turn in the draft to my editor with the epilogue um because really? I was already way over on word count it was like the final draft of God's Monsters, through <laughs> the first draft that I turned in was like 168,000 words which for reference they really don't want like YA fantasy like the sweet spot is under 100,000 words and mine was almost you know double it um so uh I didn't write the epilogue because I was like, I don't want to scare my editor with like turning it even more words than like, than, than what was already there. Um, and so I added it late. Um, I'm so glad you did. I, I didn't, I know now why I waited so long. It was because it was the last thing mm-hmm. that I was ever going to write in the Serpent and Dove world.
1: Yeah.
0: And I was really dragging my feet. I did not want to do it. Um, and then Jordan had the idea. It was actually Jordan's idea to um, tell that epilogue from a new point of view. Um, and as soon as that piece clicked into place, I was like, okay, like I can do this. I need to do this. So
2: mm-hmm. oh,
0: I'm so glad you did. I loved it. Yeah, it was, it's I amazing. mean, it was a brilliant idea. Yes. All hail Jordan.
1: Yes. One day we need to have you on if you're okay with it. And like, we'll have to do a spoiler filled where you just get to talk about like the journey of closing a book mm-hmm.
0: I yeah. love spoilers they're my favorite thing We would love to yes. love
2: spoilers. yeah because I'm like we, we love usually we do spoiler filled episodes but we just had so many requests that kind of oh, this time oh, that's okay I
1: understand but I definitely think if you're down we'd love to have you come on and just like really just be like okay so when I was plotting out this scene right here
0: oh I, I have many many anecdotes about that book in particular
1: <laughs> Same, like, okay, this need is a spoiler, but like the third book, I just loved the, in- I don't know if this was, I was literally like, I oh, know, this is about to be really introspective here, but the analogy of like the way that grief and like mental health and like the, o- the way she kind of had to like stop listening to certain voices and overcome and let that hope fight through. I was like, I wondered if she would ever gone through any like mental illness of any kind, because I was like, I totally saw a lot of like my personal journeys, like in, mm-hmm. in the things that she was struggling with. And that was powerful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, um, I wrote, I drew on a lot of the grief, um, themes and emotions and scenes, um, because I did, I lost my grandmother right before I started writing Gods Mm -hmm. and Monsters. Um, I was really close to her and, and it was just sort of an homage to, to her, you know, and that's kind of the theme that was explored there with grief is just that it's, and this is a phrase that goes around and I'm not sure who said it so I can't give it proper credit but it's just like what is grief if not love like yes still yeah. lasting um and it's like if I if, if I'm not thinking about my grandma who is you know even though it hurts to think about so that was one of the things that I kind of explored with gods and
1: monsters and if you're worried that her her books have happy endings like you're gonna be okay <laughs>
2: It's talked really about that nice. yeah if
1: you're a reading gift. this and you're like oh no like just journey like-
2: honestly this ties into um okay you did such a good job keeping the humor in the books and I'm like specifically thinking of multiple scenes in Gods and Monsters but just when the plot was very dark and very unsure the humor is something that always shone through like this is not really spoiler-esque um but when they're fighting over the sticky bum that the rat ate <laughs> yeah, I, <know. laughs> I was like <laughs> It was hilarious, but it was at put at such like a unsure time in the book. And so just how did you know to plot out or put the humor in the places you wanted? It,
0: I, I have to say it was it was so easy. It was easier to add humor to the book because my main character, Lou, is so irreverent. Like, yes. she is so guarded <laughs> and she uses humor as a way to like deflect like, hey, look over there look at this funny not funny crude kind of like uncomfortable joke that I just made look there <laughs> not here at how I'm grieving at how I'm hurt at how my you know my this is a spoiler for the first book but how my mother's trying to kill me like don't yeah. look at that stuff
1: look it's at the titty 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 titty-litty. Big titty-litty. I was just gonna say yeah, I was like, hey titty-litty. I'm I'm grieving big titty lady I'm grieving big exactly
0: Hey, I'm grieving. Like, here's the third verse of Big Titty Liddy. Can I sing it for (laughs) you? Like, hey, I'm grieving and I'm really hurt by everything that's happening in this book so far. But read, if you don't give me that freaking cinnamon roll, I will cut (laughs) you. Like, give it to me.
2: (sighs) It was amazing. Just props to you for that because it was so well put.
1: (laughs) Thank you. And you did too. I think it really rounded mm -hmm. out all of the books that you've written so far. It's just like I mean, it
0: could have gotten super, super heavy. Yeah if that wasn't there um and I it's just a personal taste for me too I like to have humor in my books I like to laugh um
1: Mm -hmm. same my uh maybe it's a self-insert no I I needed (laughs) to know that it was okay to like so I'm writing at first when I started writing my book I was like this is this gorgeous dark academia movie (laughs) I'm gonna go I'm gonna be so like writerly and then like all of a sudden like they're just making the most and like I have this scene where they're locked in this like double at like this tiny closet together and she is like rubbed up against him and he oh yeah and and she's just like (laughs) and he's like trying to hide it and she's like just come on out and he's like I can't and she's like why and I was like they (laughs) just got some huge news why is he like why am I writing this but like my it turns (laughs) out like my character like at some point they have their first att- like a possibility to have a kiss and he like go like the lights are out and she's like trying to like she hurt her knee or whatever and he's like rubbing her leg and she's like that's the wrong leg and he's like rubbing the other leg and then he's like leading it, and he's like she's like that's not my leg that's not my leg like she's like and he's like what can i just like i want and she's like i don't da-da-da. like she just freaks out and i think like it wasn't until i wrote those scenes that i was i was like oh she uses humor as a coping mechanism to get herself out. And then I realized like the life that she lived in with like her family is that like, she was always the one that like broke the tension between people with jokes. Mm -hmm. And like, I was like, oh my gosh. So my book can be lighthearted because it's through her eyes and she views the world in a very like sarcastic way. And that kind of saves us from having to be like, everything sucks and everyone is, Mm -hmm. you know, because it's like-
0: Yeah, mm. I I think that a lot of the deeper stuff can feel can it can also not but there mm-hmm. it can feel heavy-handed when it's all that there is um mm-hmm. sometimes we need the light-hearted uh humor the sexual tension oh, yeah. the, the crude jokes or whatever you know to um sort of break up the darkness because if it's just darkness for the whole book um, that can really fatigue a reader
1: yeah I also think in life you need That's that true. too like yeah I was reading some of the do- dialogue, and like as I've been writing, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm just writing the conversations that me and my husband have. They're like incredibly inappropriate all the time because like if you don't laugh, you freaking cry, you know? Yeah, <laughs> no, that that's the vibe. If you don't laugh,
0: you cry. <laughs> that's you have to lose bad. vibe. Like 100. Honestly,
1: <laughs> that's so wild. So,
2: go ahead, Anna. Ask oh, uh, okay. Well, I'm just bringing up. <laughs> I love all of the highlights that you have on your Instagram or you're so open with craft um, and this is just like a plug if our listeners if you haven't checked out that yet it's like a gold mine for new writers and those interested in the way to create books like you have so much helpful information um, and so I just want to know like what is the greatest piece of advice that you were given about writing it's very broad sorry
0: <laughs> no that's okay um I okay so when I um when I started writing Serpent and Dove, I didn't, I was not part of the industry. I didn't have any writer friends. I didn't have anyone to turn to, you know, for guidance um, or to like ask questions. Uh, and then once I got into it, I'm a type five. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Enneagram. Oh yeah, we right? are. Yeah, yes, I'm a type five. So I'm, i am um, it's like a type five's core fear to feel incompetent um, or like they're stupid. <laughs> and so I never really was I never asked for advice or I never asked for help um so no one gave me advice because I didn't ask for it yeah (laughs) you know as like as horrible as that sounds I was just too afraid to ask for help or for advice ever um but I did learn some painful lessons myself um along the way Mm -hmm. so um the biggest thing that I learned well there are two things um the first we've already discussed um and that was just to you have to write um if you want to be a writer you have to write if you want to see your books on the shelf someday you have to finish the book um and I think that it can be really easy especially when you get to the middle of the book at least for me to be like this is not gonna work it's too hard it's not Mm -hmm. flowing easily it's not flowing naturally um but you have to push through. Um, if you if, if you want to be a writer, you need to dress for the job you want and you need to make time. You need to prioritize yourself in your writing and you need to finish the book. Um, That's
2: so true. Which
0: I, because I just, I know so many people, just even in my personal life who are like, oh, I've always wanted to write a book, but I don't have time. Oh, you know, I have this book idea, but I just, uh, I haven't written it yet. I've got so much going on. And it's like, everyone does. Everyone has so much going on no one has the time, you Mm -hmm. know, to write a book, you have to make the time to write it if it's important to you. So that's my first piece of advice that um, I give. And then my second one, I had to learn the hard way. Um, And that is to um, lean into what you love, unapologetically. Um, So not to, (laughs) to like, fuel the fire but I wrote serpent and dove in a bubble I wrote it it was all the things that I loved I didn't know anything about anything when I wrote serpent and dove um and then I wrote and then I was in the industry suddenly when Mm -hmm. I was writing blood and honey and negative reviews were coming in I mean positive reviews too but it wasn't that I was seeking them out but they're just everywhere you can't escape Mm -hmm. it online Um, is so hard yeah and you're being inundated with all of these things, all of your like shortcomings as a writer, all of, um, and not necessarily even shortcomings as a writer, things that people did not like about your book. They're telling you about these things that they did not like about your book. Um, And it's really hard to see that once your bubble has popped, you're there, you're seeing it. um, It's really easy not to let it affect how you proceed
2: Mm -hmm. with writing.
0: and so I found myself with Blood and Honey trying to shore up my weaknesses instead of maybe leaning into my strengths, if that mm. makes sense. Okay. Um, so um, I did, I, and okay, I'm going to preface all of this with, I would not change a thing about Blood and Honey. It's what the story needed. It's what the characters yeah. needed. Like, I stand by everything that was in that book. But um, I did. I focused more, you know, on world building, on, you know, making it a more serious, respectable book. So it did have less humor than Serpent and Dove did and Gods and Monsters. It had less of the tropes. It had less of these things that I loved because I was trying to get people to take me seriously. Um, And it backfired Um, out of the three books. I mean, objectively, I can say out of the three books, it's the least loved. It does deal with really heavy stuff and darker stuff and, you know, Mm -hmm. Lou's going through all of her, all of, you know, her character journey, which is necessary. Um, But um, I just, I look back and I'm like, okay, so I was in this college class. like the, the, this like personal well being college class and it was elective, we had to take it. Um, actually, so no, it wasn't elective. We had to take it, it as a requirement. Um, and one of the things that the professor said was if you spend your life trying to shore up your weakness and weaknesses instead of leaning into your strengths, you're gonna end up mediocre. Um, so it's like, you know, I, you guys can't see me, um, but you know, put your hands, how would you describe that hand movement? <laughs> like put your fingertips um, together fingertips with your hands flat yeah hands flat one side your weaknesses one side your strengths um so I guess the weaknesses needs to be down here a little bit but if you spend all of your time trying to bring this back up you're still you're going to have a mediocre novel and I'm not saying don't try to shore up your strengths obviously try but don't neglect the things that you love in the Mm -hmm. process you are going to naturally be stronger at the things that you love so it's like if you're spending all your time trying to, you know, lift your weaknesses back up to even and not lift, you know, continue growing your strengths, then you're really doing yourself a disservice. Um, yeah. So I had, so, so that's a lesson that I learned the hard way. Um, and I, and I do feel like I, I wrote gods and monsters exactly the way that I wanted to write gods and monsters. Um, because I did. I learned the hard way that it's like, mm-hmm. okay, no, like I'm going to do this. I'm going to have tropes. I'm going to have romance. I'm going to have the banter. I'm going to have all of these things that I don't care. You guys don't have to take me seriously. Like you can say like, oh, her books just sell because of sex or whatever, like <laughs> go for it. Like say that I'm going to have a good time writing it. Yeah, uh, No, so- I,
2: to- I remember we were even talked about this with Jordan but this memory will live in my head rent free forever. Uh, at Y'all Fest, you were on the panel with the unlikable characters and Destin Theo, or I'm not sure how to say his last name, but was sitting next to you and he just was like, Well, I just read the reviews on Goodreads after I just published my book and I'm feeling very like insecure and I want to take it back. And you were like totally fighting for him. You were like, Well, when is her chance to be unlikable if not right when her boyfriend dies? And you just were totally going up to bat for him ready to fight all of Goodreads. I mean, it's true. I freaking love that it's hard it's hard to like hear those negative reviews and they're especially on Goodreads I feel like Goodreads does not do good with like the review aspect
0: yeah I mean Goodreads is definitely not a place for authors to be and mm-hmm. I'm not on Goodreads um anymore I, I literally have not been on Goodreads in like two years three years um, oh, very good it, for it mental is. health. <laughs> yeah those those reviews are for readers they are um mm-hmm. But I also feel like at the same time, um, a negative review, a particularly nasty review, gets so many more uh, like clicks than a than a positive review. That's just our culture, unfortunately. Um, The problem comes when people tag you, you know, in negative things because then it's like they're going knock, 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 knock. Yeah. Hey. Gross. Knock, knock, knock. knock. Look at this. (laughs) Look at this. I hated your book. You suck.
1: Uh, (laughs) Dang! It's 7 a.m. Like stop. (laughs) I
0: know exactly. Literally like Alexa, like you need to calm down.
1: (laughs) Calm down. (laughs) I also think like the whole reason why Anna and I really started this process is because I think we were at that like not Goodreads level, because obviously like we never, but we were like, well, this author didn't do this or we hated this, but like we weren't, we were DNFing books. So we weren't allowing the author to take us through Mm -hmm. the whole character arc before we had quit. We hadn't let the author truly show us like what they could do. And I like developed this philosophy myself like last year is I'm like, I can't judge a book until I have read the full thing and let the author show me what it is. And after Mm -hmm. that, I can't. or and also like for us as we're doing this process of writing it's like we're learning how dang hard this process is and like if anyone creates anything it's it deserves to be celebrated like just to just for the fact that they they didn't stop writing you know that they let their that they like were writing from 8 p.m to 2 a.m that they published something even when they were scared of what people would say and like I'm so impressed because when you finally like overcame you know when you wrote Gods and Monsters it just felt like so much like I yeah. love it.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and I also you're absolutely right. There has to be a trust that's extended. and I mean, I, there doesn't have to be nobody's you know, forcing anybody to read a book because they don't want to read that's not what I'm saying. If you don't like it, don't read it. but um there need there almost needs to be a trust,
2: yeah in
0: the author to to complete the arc or to, you know to like to circle back and 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 fulfill things. um and that can't happen until this until the books are done. um yeah. So I'd like to say Blood and Honey walked so that Gods and Monsters could run because all of the things that people love about Gods and Monsters are only are able to happen because of the events of Blood and Honey, because of the totally character true. things, that, the yeah. legwork that Blood and Honey did. Um, so I think that you're absolutely right. There's truth in that and that mm-hmm. you, have, you have to trust an author to tell the story. Oh yeah.
2: Well, and especially supposed to write a trilogy. That's hard. Especially yeah. even now... Uh, I feel like more and more authors are doing just duologies because like readers are impatient and they don't want to mm-hmm. wait for three books to come out. And
0: Well, that is, um, that is like a, a, a trend that we're seeing. Um, Serpent and Dove sold as a duology, even though I wanted it to be a trilogy. Really? Yeah. Um, my publisher, just because I was a debut, I didn't have an established audience. A debut is always a risk um because mm-hmm. they don't have a readership already we have to create yeah. a readership um so yeah i sold serpent and dove as a duology knowing that i wanted it to be a trilogy knowing that the first two books were going to have to do well in order to sell the third book um i did take a risk because i ended blooded honey on that cliffhanger that it ends in sorry spoilers um <laughs> before i had sold the third book and my editor was fine with it i think because yeah. they knew that they were going to to buy the third book and they did yeah um but uh, yeah, it, it is, I and mean, I love was,
1: that. That was like <laughs> a true Taylor Swift esque move. Like savage, yeah, this is <laughs> a so serious like, I mean, I'm just, I'm like, like get can... it, Shelby. You are walking, so we can run. Get <laughs> it, girl. Like I was like, well,
0: you know, I'm gonna turn it in this way. If they tell me to change it, I'll change it. But I'm gonna shoot my shot.
2: <laughs> so glad you did.
0: <laughs> yeah, but that that is that's. Uh, trilogies have also become a risk. Um, mm-hmm. They have. So I feel very lucky that I was able to. You Know, get my third book and tell the story the way that I wanted to tell it.
2: Yeah, that is amazing. <sighs> okay, um, before I ask the last question, are there any other ones that you want to ask?
1: This is good. I think that I'm just gonna be like, Can you come back on so that we can ask? <laughs> I
2: love talking <laughs> to you. It seriously,
1: so, it was so funny. We were like 30 minutes in here, and I was like, We've only asked two questions because all that, she, like, we just keep asking <laughs> questions because of what you're saying. I'm like, Sh-. So beautiful. <laughs>
2: Everything she's saying is so, <laughs> so, on, so
0: I'm sorry. So, I'm like, I'm sitting here. We like, are so not mad. No, we're just
2: sitting back in awe. <laughs> and Sometimes know, like, it's hard you know. when we have guests on for them to feel natural, like talking and telling and telling their story. And you're doing a phenomenal job. Wait, you probably, probably
0: like... have revealed too much. No <laughs> for the for the for the oversharing. There have been listening. so many we're like,
1: like yeah. points where I have like resounded with me personally that I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm like, I myself am so glad that. You were able to come on because let's be real, that's the whole reason why we're doing this series is
2: for for us to <laughs> like we are definitely uh gaining a lot from this. <laughs> gaining
1: a lot, but no, I think this is exactly what we needed to hear today, and it's super awesome. And like, oh gosh, I'm like while we're recording, come back on. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> um, line, that's the last question, and then we want you guys are gonna get our live reaction because we don't know what she's announcing because she's not announcing till Thursday before we record, or like after we
2: record. Weird. This, so like, Do we know that? <laughs>
1: but we are going you're just gonna hear us like probably they'll just be unintelligible screaming Yes. So.
2: okay so why don't you tell us about your new upcoming project that will have been announced by the time this comes out <laughs> okay yeah
0: the official announcement is coming two days so uh in two days um that <laughs>
2: means we're both just leaning forward like
0: um okay so <laughs> it is actually a um it's a vampire book like as as i have teased already What. The plot twist is is that it's a Serpent and Dove spinoff duology with vampires, um, and the main character is Salee um, Tremblay.
2: Okay, wow! <laughs> I am so excited. I'm, I am so yeah. excited. I'm, very excited. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, I'm like say more, but like say more, like more. <laughs>
0: yeah, uh, so it's a so duology. <laughs> it's set in it's set in the *Serpent and dove universe, just a few months really after the um, events of okay. *God the Monsters*. Okay. Um. So, Salie is a Hunts woman. She is living in Sheffure Tower with the Huntsmen. She is really trying so hard. She's trying so hard to prove herself to these men. Mm-hmm. They are trying. They're doing. They're in the middle of like sort of a reformation of their values of of everything because of the events of the serpent and dove trilogy um Mm -hmm. but there's still salie is the only woman in this place she has different strengths than all of her brethren they don't take Uh her seriously um and so the 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 book opens with her really trying to prove herself not only to them but also trying to prove herself to herself um jean luc is there um okay can't wait to see him uh Reed, Lou, Coco Bo, we see all of them. Um a
2: gift. You're giving us yeah, a gift.
0: And it they're all there. Um, but the um premise is that there's a serial killer in Belterra. Um they are finding bodies, all of magical origins, the witches, werewolves, mermaids, um, that have all been drained of blood. Ooh. Um nobody knows what is killing these creatures um these people um obviously we are pointing fingers at the blood witches because all of the bodies yeah. have been drained of blood mm-hmm. um but Sally, in trying to prove that she belongs here that she is a sewer sort of takes it upon herself to try to solve this this investigation and it leads her into the heart of a vampire lair
2: oh my gosh this sounds so fun yeah it sounds so fun Yes, so that's the home pitch. Okay. I guess. Thank you. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. It was a gift, honestly. Was, I days? cannot wait. Okay, and then when um, do you have dates for? Yeah, it's definitely
0: um, set for November of this year, um, the Tuesday November after Thanksgiving. December.
1: I think it's November 29th Okay. Can we have Where? a midnight release party. Can we please have a midnight release party? <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really sure excited. We'll all show up in them. It'll be so creepy. It'll be like. <laughs> Um, my book doesn't premiere until tomorrow. We're like, we know, <laughs> we know, we know. Oh, I
0: forgot to say the title. It's the Scarlet Veil is the, the title. Scarlet Veil. Yeah. Um, God, I just want to like talk more about it. We'll just like, hang out. All, all super, super spoilery. <laughs> like, I can't spoil it. i call you on <laughs>
2: and be Like, okay, so show
0: me, girl. <laughs> it's super fun. Um, I'm having the best time because it is very, um, it's different than Serpent and Dove, but yeah. it's, it's the same sort of tonally. Um, it's very gothic. These are gothic vampires. Um we love it.
1: Yeah. What's uh, your favorite? Okay, I have a couple questions and you can share okay. with you. what is your favorite like scene so far that you've written for it? Like what's your favorite kind of like you can give us a trope, you can give us
2: <laughs> You any- might just have to give us a trope. I'm like, I feel like that's a very spoiler-filled question.
1: <laughs> I
0: know it is super I, think- I was about to answer it. I to- <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, let me set the scene <laughs> for you all. We're on a ship. <laughs> no oh. Uh- Mm-hmm. um so uh so my <laughs> favorite um I have a new favorite character okay
1: that's um, a great way to go about it so you have
0: his a name character. is Michael and he is a very hot very scary vampire okay hey,
2: okay we'll have fun with that we'll have a I lot. am so excited I'm so excited <laughs> well I'm with that. Yep, thank you, thank you so out. much for coming on our podcast. We <laughs> love getting to talk to you. This was freaking amazing. Um, and to our listeners, we will see you next week. Oh, yes, hey,
0: thank you. I had so much yes. fun meeting you guys, chatting books.
2: Yes, hey.